Welcome to the Christ Connection Podcast. We are here to help and encourage you to enjoy your adventure with Jesus. I'm your host, Kevin Senapati-Ratna. Let the journey begin. Welcome to the Christ Connection Podcast. My name is Kevin Senapati-Ratna, and it's good to have you here with us today. And our goal with this podcast is to help you on your journey with God, to go on an adventure with Him and all that He has for you, the dreams that He has for you, and to raise you up to feel the encouragement of the Spirit to all that is possible through your life. You may feel like a nobody, but God has a plan for you, has a purpose for you, has a design for you. And if you're going to do that, you need the tools that God has given at your disposal to walk the faith and to live out that battle that he has given for you and the assignment that he has for you. And so today we're doing a little experimental podcast episode. And since we're having a little fun with it, I hope you will have a little fun with us as well. And I'd love your feedback on it. We are trying something new and so after you're done would you just take a moment go over to uh, if you're on twitter go to at enjoying prayer uh, if you're on facebook either at enjoying prayer or uh, christ connection uh, we have both those pages and just give us your thoughts on the episode we're again trying something a little d- different normally i sit down with someone and have a conversation about their story and draw out the principles from that or maybe the book they've written but today i'm sitting down with dr rick wadholm and uh, he's a bible college professor Professor. He's a uh, he's uh, written books. He's uh, got a, you know the doctor in front of his name, and that's not a medical doctor. That's uh, because of his studying of the Bible. And we try and after talking a little bit about his story, but then we dive into the engagement with the Bible in general. And uh, as the experiment, we talk specifically about a specific book of the Bible. Now, that book is Ezekiel, and before you turn this off, (laughs) hang with me, because the goal is to give you confidence in your uh, encounter with the Bible. uh, It's one of our greatest tools. Uh, When you talk about the weapons of our warfare, uh, the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, is one of those that are there. And if you feel intimidated by the uh, Word of God, you, you don't engage with it, and you miss out on some things that God has for you. And so, uh, Dr. Rick uh, Wadholm and I sit down. Now, he is a friend of mine, and so we have a little bit of fun, and you, you can probably pick that up. Uh, but we're really trying to uh, walk around the topic and walk into the topic of God's Word and how it can be a resource to you. And so, again, I'd love your feedback on this. Maybe we can, uh, you know, whether we tweak it or try some different things like this. Again, I just want to be a resource to your adventure with Jesus. So if you would take some time, again, it's at Enjoying Prayer on uh, Facebook and Twitter or Christ Connection on Facebook, uh, and give us your thoughts. So without further ado, my conversation with Dr. Rick Wadholm. All right, Rick, welcome to the show. Glad to be here. It is uh, good to see you face to face. We are known each other for quite some time now, way back. Uh, <laughs> probably easily a decade plus. Oh, we yeah. can't talk like that. That's probably not a good. <laughs> we'll feel old really fast here. But uh, I've stayed in your house when you, you were have. pastoring, yeah. so uh, that, that that means we're friends, right? That's right. <laughs> um, but you were since we've well, I've seen you since, but uh, you are now a doctor, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, has the academic world always been an interest for you? Yes and no. So always pursuit of deeper things. So uh, 12 years old, I was reading Cost of Discipleship by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Um, yeah, I, I was one of those kids, you know, that read the encyclopedia back when people had encyclopedias at home. Um, 
would read those <laughs> before there was Wikipedia. Uh, so, so interested in more academic things. But I, you know, I, I guess though, when when I did go to Bible college, I already knew that I was planning on getting a PhD. So, academic in that sense, not academic in that I had ever thought of actually being a professor. Believe it or not. So I just had my heart set on, I want to pursue with everything that's in me. Um, Fuller actually told me, you need to wait a couple of years because I had initially sent them uh, interest materials for a PhD as I was literally in my first semester of undergrad. Oh, really? Wow. (laughs) And I didn't do my PhD at Fuller, but that was, I I was just already checking things out. I knew what I wanted to do, that I wanted to pursue higher ed. So. Yeah, you did yours in Wales. Is yeah, that, uh, so someone had to do it. Was that the story? Yeah, or? Bangor <laughs> University in Wales. Yeah. Right. If I, I know this is off topic, but if I, I was there, well, what was the reason we did Wales? Uh, uh, actually, I I was uh, checking around, had applied to a number of different PhD programs uh, in the U.S. and Canada, and was at the Society for Pentecostal Studies conference. And a friend there talked to me, asked, hey, what are you doing? Where are you planning on doing your PhD studies? I had mentioned a few of the places I had applied. And he said, why haven't you applied to Bangor University, Wales? Because I've never heard of this place, and I don't know why I would. Uh, It it turns out, uh, actually, a leading Pentecostal theologian, Bible scholar, John Christopher Thomas, actually was supervising students for Wales. And he's based in Cleveland, Tennessee. Um, And... So he was supervising stateside, so I wouldn't have to go overseas, and that was that was a big deal to not have to relocate with four <laughs> kids. And I had a stable job pastoring a church, so I had started my PhD while I was pastoring with no intent of leaving, no intent of the full-time academic life, and yeah, it was, it was all good. So yeah, it, it allowed me the opportunity to continue that ministry while pursuing PhD. And. Uh, but you did have to go to Wales eventually. I did, yeah. <laughs> it was well worth it. Yeah. I had to go see the school for graduation. Right. Actually, for my defense. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then you got to be in Wales while you were there. I got to be in Wales, yeah. Right. It was beautiful. So uh, thinking back to uh, you said you were reading uh, Cost of Discipleship when you were 12. Right. Uh, do you remember, like, your first time or one of the first times you taught like you were, you were either preaching or teaching or any of those early days, the younger. Yeah, uh, 19 years old, I was invited to preach at a couple of different churches around North Dakota. Um, and so I, I would take every opportunity um, to preach anywhere I could as a college student. So, yeah. So that was while you were? That was while I was a college, college student. student. So I was a sophomore uh, in, in college. Yeah. So yeah. filling in Sunday mornings and. I remember one Sunday I had filled in out in western North Dakota at a church. I thought I just hit it out of the park. I was probably about 20. So I'd probably maybe preached 10 times in my entire life. <laughs> and this uh, little older lady comes up to me after the service. She goes, not bad for a beginner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was some good humble pie to eat that day for lunch. Well, I'll make you feel better. When I, <clears throat> my first church, there was one Sunday that ended up being my then fiance, now wife, and one other, <clears throat> one other person, and on the way home, she had no idea what I was talking about when I was. So I lost <laughs> half the congregation. Literally, my half the congregation had no idea what I was talking about. So <laughs> it can get worse, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I can do it. So, yeah. uh, do you, 
remember any of those early messages? Or like what I heard you burn them all after seven years. Yeah, no, actually, I still have every message I've ever preached. Uh, I have somewhere uh, stacks of the notes, and the, the notes have actually gotten shorter as time has gone uh, for, for what, I, what I end up with when I go into the pulpit. But I literally have the notes from every sermon uh, I've ever preached. Very good. So, yeah. Uh, the reason I said seven years, I think it was Wesley who said he burns his uh, messages after seven years because anything that's seven years old, he's <laughs> probably has grown past <laughs> that. <but laughs> there have been a few that I thought, I really wish I would have never preached that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I uh, didn't intend on getting into the academic world. Uh, it would just kind of happen, kind of a situation. Uh, yes, yeah, so I, I was pastoring full time. Um, doing a couple other side jobs. I've, I've never done just one job. Uh, Got to stay out of trouble, and keeping busy is usually a good way to do that. Uh, just doing some part-time teaching in Canada at a seminary uh, just, just outside of Winnipeg, and got a call to a full-time position that I hadn't applied for at uh, Trinity Bible College in North Dakota. And so I thought, well, this could actually be a sign from God to do this, right? <laughs> And then stepping into that, realizing um, I wasn't, so I was stepping out of what I thought was pastorate into the teaching vocation, realized, no, I'm stepping into a much bigger pastoral role that, that involved the daily life of discipleship with students. So training workers. So my church became those who were either the trainers of workers, the professors that I do life with, and the students. So I just realized my, my congregation just got <laughs> a lot closer, a lot tighter bubble, and we ate meals together and we traveled together. And instead of preaching for you know half hour on a Sunday and maybe an hour Bible study Wednesday, instead I had them captive, and I could even give them grades. <laughs> so, so for me, it was really actually living into a pastoral call, um, and then like realizing I could do this in such an intense way and duplicate myself, you know, to to create more disciples. Um, more workers for the kingdom. I, I know you have a love for God's word, and part of the uh, reason I, I approached you about being on the show was the, the idea, uh, kind of as an experimental episode, and if you can't have your friends on for experimental <laughs> episodes, what are you going to do? Yeah. Uh, uh, that we would look a little bit, because uh, the audience of the show uh, that I envision uh, is one of three people, uh, either a stay-at-home mother who is listening to this while they're doing their laundry. Uh, a second would be a, a business person who's maybe on a commute to work uh, listening to this. Or the third, which would be totally different, would be someone in a third-world uh, country that doesn't have a lot of resources, and they're like looking for ways to... And so talking about the Word of God, thinking about that audience, uh, if they were wanting to take it to the next level, do you have any recommendation where you'd, not necessarily a passage or anything like that, but just kind of overarching thought of how to engage God's Word at a new level? Uh, obviously, to actually read Scripture. Um, <laughs> th that is a good starting place. And many people just, just literally aren't reading Scripture. Now, and, and I, I say that, and, and I should actually, uh, so I, I sh while I want to affirm even what I just said, I would also refute what I just said. Uh, you must be a professor. Honest, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we, we have this 
guilt trip that we get on um, as those of the pietistic evangelical heritage uh, being Pentecostals. We feel really guilty if we haven't done our daily devotions, which consists of reading, you know, so many chapters of scripture or whatever, uh, as, as if that is the mark of spirituality. Um, when, you, when you consider the fact that Jesus did not have access to written text other than at the synagogue, um, he was not a reader of Scripture so much as he was a faithful hearer of Scripture. And that is the call throughout the Bible, is to be faithful hearers, right? So we, we, because of being a literate society, at least supposedly <laughs> literate, right. we, we read not as much as we should. Um, we're, we're, we're functionally illiterate, though we, we are literate. That, so, that wouldn't be your yeah. problem, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're a bookworm. So, so, so I would say, like, even, even better than me even telling listeners, any, any listener, they're, they're listening. They're not reading what you've had to say or what I'm saying here. They're listening. And uh, to become a good listener to Scripture is actually more important than to be a good reader. Um, so what, what does that mean? That means you listen to scripture as it's sung, as it's prayed, uh, and you incorporate those sorts of things into your life. That means to lay hold of, of the scriptures, to meditate on them, to chew on them, to hold on to them, right? So when we hear someone read scripture, to be very attuned to that, listening to that, rolling it around our mind. Um, and I, I find that far more significant. This is how Jesus fulfills Psalm 119, right? to be obsessed with the word of God, that, right, he, I delight in your law, I long for your word, you know, and it's this ridiculously repetitive psalm, <laughs> ridiculously repetitive, but that is Jesus, he is obsessed with the scriptures that he basically never reads, so, except for on those Sabbaths where he's permitted to do this, and uh, as a reader of the text, otherwise, his primary experience is listening, listening to his mother, listening to his father, singing the psalms at the holy days throughout the Jewish calendar. So I, I, I would encourage people to be better hearers and therefore better obeyers. Uh, you may not have a, because this is kind of out of left field, but uh, as far as listening musically to the scripture, mm. any uh, things come to mind for there? Yeah, um, I, I mean, so for for all the the dirt that people like to pile on about contemporary worship, our contemporary worship has more scripture in it than most of the so-called sermons that we tend to hear in our pulpits. Um, and the the closest to scripture we tend to hear is if scripture is read in a service. Um, a lot a lot of what has filled many pulpits in my in my travels has tended to be more motivational, more coaching. Uh, not actually rooted in the text of Scripture, as opposed to our songs, which are at least obsessed with Jesus at some level, even if it's Jesus and me. Uh, <laughs> so the, this sense of learning to hear the text w without having, like, the reference there, right? So I, I think that's it. Like, we don't even recognize when we're hearing Scripture because we don't know it. So we're singing a song. We, we don't realize, you know, maybe this phrase is from Jeremiah or this phrase comes out of the Psalms or this phrase is from the Revelation. We, we, we don't even know it because we're so not accustomed to hearing Scripture. We just take it for granted. Uh, I like that idea of, because uh, I'm a, uh, well, when I was a kid, I had, this is random, but uh, you're pulling out the random on yeah. me. And that's, a, <laughs> that's your calling in life. But yeah. I, I, I used to listen to audio cassette tapes of the Bible as I was going to sleep. I had, uh, I had my stack of uh, 
tapes that I were by my bed, and then right. I, each night before I went to bed, I would listen to it a little bit. And it's interesting. My daughter now does has a similar. Now she she's of course has an iPod or whatever, uh-huh. and she listens to or as she's falling asleep. So the real a, question is: Was it the dramatized version? Where you have the guy pretending to be yeah. demon possessed, and you know, I should have. It would have yeah, probably been yeah. no, actually. It probably wouldn't have been good if the de- <laughs> pretend to be demon possessed. Yeah, that probably wouldn't have. Yeah, gone. changing the voices, <laughs> and he kind of makes a feminine voice for the female characters. I that was what I listened to as a teenager. Yeah, it was a dramatized Bible. Yeah. Well, now they have the whole with you know multiple voices, and right? They, so there's a it's a it's the modern age. It's <laughs> Which would have, I'm sure they would have loved back in the day yeah. uh, to have a whole uh, production. Uh, so one of the, you're saying people aren't engaging with God's word. Or, uh, any common uh, kind of stumbling blocks that you find of why people don't or struggle to engage with the word? Yeah, I, I mean, so some of it is just the type of writings that we encounter among the books of the Bible are so foreign to us. Um, we either try to read them like a contemporary thing, like, hey, I'm going to try and sit down and read this like any book. Well, these are not like any book that you're used to reading. Uh, some, somewhat be, because unless you're reading R-rated things, uh, some of the Old Testament <laughs> books are fairly graphic. Uh, so and what do we mean? So we don't usually sit down to just read something that we believe that God, the maker of heaven and earth, has inspired, has breathed for us, Right that is intended to address me, uh, call for faithfulness, repentance, obedience, um, my everything, right? That demands everything of all of creation. That's not a normal read. So uh, learning the different forms of literature, um, so even poetry, so we kind of like the Psalms, just not the Psalms that are violent, um, (laughs) or the parts of the Psalms that are not violent. We like those that talk about us or that make us feel good um, or seem to. And so, so, uh, but it, they don't rhyme like normal poetry. There's not that same cadence, even the, the language, the, the terms. So we're, we're talking like ancient world. Um, so, hey, you know what? I would just really love to sit down with my cup of coffee in the morning and read a 3,000-year-old text from some obscure people group that I have no connection to. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Like, that, that's not normal for normal people. But this is the word of God, right? This has been preserved for generations. So somehow bridging that great gap can be difficult for people. Right. And so your first step was uh, taking to listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, uh, and would you have like a kind of a second uh, a, a piece of advice maybe to uh, how to take it to the next yeah. level? I, I, they've started listening to, through Leviticus. No. Those read through the Bible in the year programs. Any, I always, I love asking students or people in my church that I, that I pastor, like, so where are you at? And that, you know, somebody says they've started this. I'm like, so talk to me when you get to the end of Exodus, because by the time you hit Leviticus, you're going to just be done. You're like, <laughs> I can't do this anymore. Uh, it's, it's difficult. You need, it's as if some books, you just, you need extra help going through them. I mean, you, you would never think with uh, other, other types of writing, like most people don't just sit down like, you know, I'd really love to just read through a physics textbook right now. Now, there are people who do that. It's, it, it can be fun. Uh, it can be yeah. fun, he says. Uh, or, you know, like uh, some weird, bizarre, ancient poetry. Like, people don't do that. So sometimes to have someone who, 
who is in the know. And that can come through forms of different types of commentaries uh, or even listening to podcasts. Uh, I, I do this for myself. So in book studies through scripture, listening to other people wrestling with the scriptures, um, bugging friends about the text, like, what do you think about this? Like, so people to help us along, because we don't hear the scriptures as, as ourselves, we ought to hear them as community. Uh, so what? so I, if, I, if I could do, just if people took bite size instead of like, I'm going to read through the whole Bible. So what if you did read Leviticus, and then you reread Leviticus? And then you reread Leviticus, right? And all the while, all the while, you you cannot escape but hearing this through Jesus, through our experience of Jesus, his work on our behalf, his making all things holy. God who has declared, I am holy, therefore you must be holy, which is a repeated phrase throughout Leviticus, right? Um, that he's pleased by the smell of the sacrifice. What, what does this say to us about Jesus and what he has done on our behalf and who he is before God and before us? So. Well, and going with that, then you're saying maybe we try to consume too much. Yeah, definitely. That uh, the average, uh, average may not be the right word, but the average person uh, should uh, tr- not try to go through the Bible in a year. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm not even saying it's bad to do that. So I, I know of a, a pastor friend who's... Uh, he's got about 20 years on me, and he, I, I was just talking with him. It turns out he has literally read through the entire Bible every year for 40 years, which is incredible. I mean, kudos to him. The, the bigger issue isn't how many times have you read through the Bible or have you read through the whole thing. The bigger issue is are you hearing and obeying? Because if you're not transformed by this word, I don't care how many times you read it, you're going to hell. <laughs> it really you know it's intended to be transformational and it would be better to hear smaller parts and hear them well than to think consuming the whole um, but i wouldn't dismiss anyone who wants to read through the whole but to read large and to read small right i i actually wrote this in my notes because i'm uh, dl moody's quote uh, the bible was not given to increase our knowledge but to change our lives yeah, so, yeah, yeah that's that's excellent <laughs> that's what you were saying yeah. so you, you and dl moody i guess <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, transitioning then uh, we thought we'd do an experiment yeah. uh, uh of taking one of the books of the bible that people might freak out with uh, <laughs> there's a few there's a few and so uh, uh Ezekiel was the, mm-hmm. uh, as we prepared, we thought Ezekiel would be fun. Now, I have not done any, uh, so I'm going to be your guinea pig here with this, yeah. but, I mean, that's not completely fair. I've preached from Ezekiel and all that. But <laughs> uh, but let's take this, because you uh, thought this would be a fun one. Uh, <laughs> uh, so starting, uh, the average person, again, uh well, let's start with the guy or gal in India mm. who is, you know, doesn't read uh, right, mm. normally. They're, they're going to take your advice and going to, after this is done, they're going to download and listen through Ezekiel. Mm. Uh, and maybe they'll take the next six months. Mm. Uh, what would you, what would be a starting point that you would uh, say, uh, to them as, you know, just that first out of the gate, and we'll dive deeper, but no, out of the gate, what would you uh, tell them about uh, reading and listening through Ezekiel? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that, boy, that's tough. Uh, I didn't say this was going to be yeah, easy. <laughs> that's a lot. The experiments are tough. This is hard. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. So, again, this is one of those issues. So it's it's as if we, we think we just sit down with the text and we'll just automatically hear it and we'll, we'll hear it well. Um, we're trying. We are committed to trying and to actually hearing what God is saying. And it's not sufficient to just imagine I must hear for me what God is saying because that could just be us hearing what we want to say, uh, what we have imagined God is saying. We are intent on hearing what has God said towards hearing what is God saying. And um, so to begin there, so you're not looking for personal insights. Um, the Lord will speak to you through the text, but you're not looking for, you know, uh, how do these four bizarre creatures in chapter one uh, with the four faces and a wing, six wings covered in eyeballs. How does this speak to my spiritual walk today? No. Uh, <laughs> that, that would be to dismiss this literature as a type of literature. It is. It's ancient, ancient literature that belongs to this um, exilic period. So Israel has gone into exile because of disobedience. They've been removed from the land God had promised to Abraham generations before, made a covenant to give them forever and to the descendants forever. Here are the descendants. Um, removed from the land. The house of the Lord is going to be destroyed. Uh, that's actually where, where the book begins. So the Lord had promised he would put his name on a place in the land and he would be there forever, provided they were faithful. Well, they're not so faithful for generations, <laughs> for a few hundred years. And the Lord in his patience has allowed it, but there's a day of judgment coming. So uh, it, it actually begins with the glory of the Lord departing. So, but, but thinking about, like, how, how do they conceive this? So the house of the God of Israel, the house of the God who made covenant with their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has determined not only in removing the people, but he will destroy the land, have his home destroyed, and he will depart himself from the land. Well, this is insane <laughs> in, in, a, in an environment. So you're talking about India. You know, if we're, th we're thinking of India, there's local deities everywhere. And those deities have authority in an area, as it were, right? Actually, the, in an Indian context, it's far nearer to ancient Canaan and Israel than, than even U.S. So if you got U.S. listeners, they have no frame of reference for this. <laughs> you have Indian listeners. I, ho I hope you do. They actually have a connection point for this because they understand the idea of localized regional deities or... Uh, deities that are enshrined and they have a home and you can visit their home well if the home of that god is to be destroyed and that god has determined he's abandoning his house and abandoning his people those people will face the greatest terrors they have ever imagined right um, so th this becomes a big deal because this god is not just a local deity this is the god who made the heavens and the earth and all that is in them he is sovereign over all kingdoms all peoples all other supposed gods so that's kind of the backdrop yeah. of, of the book, I, the, the God with wheels on. Yeah, uh, yeah literally. <laughs> he has wheels within wheels on. That so is he, spot on. Uh, so, uh, what are, uh, so that was – what is some of the things we learn about God from uh, Ezekiel? Since you yeah. said we want uh, to learn from – uh, what God is saying to them, uh, and we're trying to find out, mm -hmm. discover Jesus uh, right. in that. Uh, in your 
the experience with Ezekiel? Is there some of the things that come to mind of well, what we learn about who he is? So one, one of the things, uh, not not to correct you, but to correct you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> this is experimental. So I can that's do right. Whatever, right. This is free for all. And I can edit you yeah, out. No, that's, that's totally true. <laughs> Just trim this part out, and you make me say whatever you want me to say. It's all good. No, that that okay. So so uh, we we have we have. In particular, again, in westernized culture, of which we are a part, we have so made God generic. So we use the language God, right? An Eastern context is actually far more conducive to this because the idea of a God is almost laughable. Uh, many gods is actually understandable. There's gods among many. And all of the gods have a name. And the God of Israel has a name. And his name is Yahweh. And you'll find it throughout Ezekiel, again and again, almost every single, uh, you, a lot of the messages are a chapter long. Some of them are two chapters long, like individual messages spread out over a time period. And most of them are time stamped in Ezekiel too, like exact days, months, and years that they were given, which is unusual for the prophets. But he's like, on this day, this is like his personal prophetic journal, <laughs> uh, the Lord said to me. Um, and he specifically says, so that they may know that I am the Lord. Like that, that's in many of our English translations. And if you look, it's all capital L-O-R-D. That is to signify this is that name that he made covenant. This particular God, who had not formerly been the God of Abraham's fathers, but made covenant with this man, Abraham, who was a Babylonian, whose family worshipped many gods, the sun and moon and stars, uh, and then made covenant with the son of Abraham, and then made covenant with the grandson, and even the great-grandchildren. Called them the house of Israel, the sons of Israel, right? This is a particular deity in the midst of thousands of other deities. Um, and he has a name, and his name reveals that he is uh, abounding in love, quick to forgive, right? slow to anger. He is gracious and compassionate. It, it is actually his self-revelation. Who he is is his name. And this name binds him to this people and this people to him. So when, when we read in Ezekiel, and you, you, you know, if, if your listeners are, will listen to Ezekiel or read Ezekiel, when you're hearing in Ezekiel, so they may know that I am the Lord or I am Yahweh. It is a pointing back to that covenant that he's both faithful to judge unrighteousness he will not leave things unjustly unpunished forever. He will punish the evildoers, but he will also reward the righteous because he knows how to do that. And better than that, he will make righteous. He will put his spirit in these people, and he will cause them to do what they should do. So that, that's actually the whole movement of the book, including for the prophet Ezekiel. He lives, he embodies this as a man of the spirit almost as it were driven but to do these things to lay on the ground on his side for most of the year and then flip over to lay siege to a play Jerusalem where and shave his head you know uh, we we have less hair to do this with you know yeah, okay not that the listeners need to know this but you know yeah, Ezekiel, you, you put that out there yeah, Ezekiel's just a crazy man like I, a lot of scholars have actually accused him of being insane even if he's insane that doesn't make what he says untrue <laughs> it, it literally doesn't. Like it's either true or it's not true. But as that it is irrelevant, his mental state. Um, but he is a man so driven by the spirit, so yielded to the spirit. The spirit picks him up by the hair at several points in the text and carries him somewhere. Like this it would be weird. impossible for it us. It would be impossible for us. <laughs> Apparently, his hair had either b before the shave or after. You know, I just wish I had hair for the spirit to pick me That's up right. by. That's right. So. Someday. <laughs> but but he is that spirited man. 
right? Who who is a he is a he becomes a type and a word, a prophetic word to the people, that the Lord will that Yahweh, this God, the God of Abraham, will put His Spirit in these people, that they would do what is right, and He would restore what He has taken, and it will be far better than even the promise had been. So. Hey. So as they as they engage uh, with that, uh, is there anything before we kind of start moving it forward that you you would want? I mean, I'm sure there's a lot. You could, I'm sure you could do a whole cl- class on the subject. I have actually <laughs> a couple <laughs> times. <laughs> so I, I yeah. show you this is the Cliff Notes version. This is definitely I, the Cliff Notes. So I, uh, but what would I? What would I? I any other markers, I guess, that they should be kind of noting before, as they're listening through uh, before they start drawing it towards uh, today? Yeah, so, so of course, the, the marker of where is the Lord in the text? So where is his presence? So in chapter 1, uh, we see that the glory lifts, and these four weird creatures, and the wheels within wheels covered in eyeballs, and the creatures covered in eyeballs. But if we, if we note the movements of the Spirit, right? So this is where the Lord is, is where the Spirit is. And this is where the Lord is working and moving and revealing himself and acting to restore, to give life, to make whole. And lifts and departs from Jerusalem to go into exile. So he is among the exiles. And here is the prophet of the Spirit. So if we, if we note actually the Spirit throughout the text and the movement of the Lord. So even by chapter 10 then we, we encounter again the creatures, the divine chariot, and the Lord there, and the Spirit, and all that. But the, the Spirit keeps doing these things to this man, Ezekiel, because though the Lord says, I'm not going to talk to you. You guys keep coming to my door to try and get a word, but you disobey, right? The elders in, in exile. Uh, the Spirit, though, will either cause Ezekiel to not speak or to speak, right? To put the words into his mouth or not to, to bind him, to loose him, so that he is, as it were, fully alive by the Spirit, restrained by the Spirit, freed by the Spirit. And so if we follow these movements of the Spirit all the way through to the end, um, where, again, this theme of Yahweh, where is Yahweh? Where is the Lord? Where the book ends, there is the Lord, right? That's That becomes the name of the city. Yahweh Shema, the Lord is there. That's how the book ends. He goes to the new Jerusalem, and it's this, this movement. So we we have literal movement <laughs> of the Lord. So, the, so following the presence of God becomes yeah, the, the, the theme. And it's, it's as or if he, he's removed, he's removed, he's removed up until chapter 37, that text that we tend to preach from. I'm guessing you've preached from it where the spirit, oh. right, is the valley of very dry bones. Dim bones, dim bones, dim dry <laughs> oh, bones. Oh, we get singing you know? too here. <laughs> yeah, you, you, and you want to shut it off now. Yeah. But it, there's a sudden radical shift in the book. Up to that point, it's like, I'm going to kill you all. I'm leaving town. You're, you're all wicked sinners. Chapter 37, they're so dead, they're super dead. <laughs> you know, like, the, it's not just bones. It's not just carcasses of people, of a, the great host of people. It's very dry bones. They are totally abandoned. But by the prophet's spirit, by the spirit of the Lord speaking to and through the prophet, the bones gather together and flesh appears on them. Then again, by the word of the, of the Lord, speak to the Spirit, speak to the wind, and the Spirit enters the people, and suddenly they're a great host of living army of God's people, right, of Yahweh's people, now made alive. What couldn't be done? 
what seemed for 36 chapters that the Lord is done with these people. No, he is gracious and compassionate, abounding in love, quick to forgive, slow to anger. So he lives up to his name, and he does better even than what it would seem. So it shifts 37 through 48. It's, it gets good. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, all right. Okay. You're depressed up for 36 chapters, right? Uh, if you make so, it through. Yeah, I, you make it through. Yeah. Power uh, through. Power through. <laughs> well, okay. So uh, let's just take some stabs uh, mm. at uh, then bringing it forward. Mm. Uh, how, how might, now again, that's, there's whole classes on mm. these th- topics as well, but uh, how might some of uh, Ezekiel be brought to uh, that business person mm-hmm. uh, that are listening to this right now? What, uh, as they're listening, what uh, what might the Spirit say f- to them? Well, these seven business principles. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. No. Uh, All right, here well, we go. Well, we could, we could do that, and then I could write a book about it. Excellent. And people would love that. It'd have nothing to do with what Ezekiel's actually about, but it would be amazing. Uh, <laughs> It'd be very marketable. Yeah, so like what, what does it mean to the businessman who's out there who wants to know the Lord? And he's like, okay, I'm listening to this podcast. I'm going to listen to Ezekiel and commit myself <laughs> to Ezekiel. And they're going to be bogged down for a number of chapters. There's going to be a few that are like, oh, boy, this is just heavy stuff, uh, repetitive. Some of it, you know, the specifications of the New, new Jerusalem are ridiculous. Uh, that, that was difficult to preach through when, I preach <laughs> when you did verse by verse. I did. I did. I was like, oh, boy, this is I should, I should have thought through this a little better. Uh, yeah. So, again, the problem is sometimes we're looking for personal things instead of realizing this is much this is it's much bigger than you or me. This is about what God is at work in the world wanting to do. The God who made the heavens and the earth, who revealed himself as the God of a very particular people, making covenant with them, with their ancestors. And though they were unfaithful, he has always been faithful. And that's the persistent testimony of this book, right? Um, He is faithful, which means he judges sin. He will not relent forever. Um, But it also means his goodness is not even like his judgment, that his goodness exceeds anything we could think or imagine. He will restore, and it will be beyond what what it even seemed he had promised as he gives himself to his people. So um, I I think a business person could could see in that, right? Um, There are things throughout Ezekiel. There are moral things that come up. The judgment of the people uh, back in Jerusalem who actually are like, yes, we're the righteous, the ones who were sent into exile. Those are the sinners, right? It's easy to look at the others. They're suffering judgment. Obviously, we're okay with God, <laughs> right? Um, but they're, they're judged for the types of things that they're doing, um, for, for the abuse of those around them, the weak, the poor. Um, obviously, idolatry comes up. Uh, adultery comes up an awful lot in quite graphic detail. I've never <laughs> blushed when translating, except for translating through Ezekiel. I literally blushed. I was like, oh, boy, this is, this is intense. But the, the, the call for faithfulness to the Lord in, in the midst of whatever comes, right, um, to, to know that, um, that there's, there's this, um, this little proverb about the children's teeth being set on edge <laughs> by sour grapes, which is just bizarre. Uh, and, and Jeremiah actually has some, something very similar to that. Uh, but this idea that the Lord knows how to judge those who are righteous and those who are wicked and how to separate those, right? 
he, he knows the kind of things you've done and not done. And we live in a culture that wants to accuse previous generations, which is also what's going on for some of the folks in Ezekiel, right? Like, I can blame my mom and dad. It was their fault that I'm suffering. The Lord's like, you know, I know how to get you <laughs> for what you've done. Don't blame your ancestors for where you're at. Does, does it maybe provide some explanation? Yes, but don't blame them. I know how to take care of the righteous. I know how to judge the wicked. And don't think that you can live a righteous life and then at the end become wicked. And don't think you can, that, that if you've lived a wicked life, there is no becoming righteous. He, he flips that. I think it's about chapter 18. Um, this, this whole, like, I know how to deal with people. I actually know what's going on. So to the businessman, uh, he, better, he better treat his employees well. Um, he better run his business well because the Lord is watching, right? Um, and, and that what he does is a good thing if, it, if it's life-giving, if it's providing care for others. Um, yeah, if it's faithful to the Lord. Amen. Well, hopefully, hey, again, this is just a, a process for people to begin to think, okay, because mm-hmm. ultimately why I wanted to do this was to say, because uh, sometimes we look at, a, you know, especially, passages like that and we just give up before mm-hmm. we even start uh, we'll leave that for the college professors uh, yeah, you know and, yeah, and, yeah. and or the the people who go into the basement and have their charts and things like that, <laughs> that yes. th- those are the people who will study Ezekiel I'll stick yeah. to the Psalms or whatever yeah. you know and so to because yeah. uh, I, I believe uh, God does want to communicate with mm-hmm. us and bring that. Uh, uh, otherwise, he could have just talked to that generation and wouldn't right. have. <laughs> he, right. he, he wants to. Uh, any, uh, as we're going more towards, again, that was a Cliff Notes version right. of uh, nothing. <laughs> uh, but uh, I wanted to get a couple of these other uh, that I love to uh, talk about. Uh, if you were... Giving since you do this, I have done this many times. Uh, talk to young mm. Christians. Mm-hmm. Uh, any advice? So maybe a twenty-year-old uh, Christian. Uh, no, we're not that old. You and I. <laughs> uh, but uh, even looking back, that you uh, some advice that you wish mm. uh, someone had given you. Yeah. Uh, in in paying attention to the scriptures or whatever, whatever. you'd like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I, th- I I wish someone had uh, liberated me to, again, not carry that strange guilt of reading Scripture daily and instead helped me to find ways to incorporate the Word of God into my daily life and my meditation. Um, that, for me, has been a long, hard journey that I, I never heard, right? Like, we talk about, uh, you know, as we read the Scriptures, they talk about meditating on them. And yet we don't meditate on them. We don't take that very seriously on, on being good hearers, which means to chew on, to, to lay hold of, uh, to sing, to pray. Uh, you know, as someone who's written a little bit and spoken a little bit on prayer, and uh, how do we incorporate the, what God has said into the ways that we pray? And that helps us to, to put it into our heart, right? We begin to ask the Lord to do the things that he has said, and we know he will do it because of that. So I wish someone had been maybe more careful or maybe i listened better uh, there may have been lots of people <laughs> saying those things and i just wasn't listening so yeah well, I, I like that because uh especially from your seat as a mm. uh, as a uh, 
with the PhD, you know, the, the doctorate <laughs> thing hanging there, uh, to say uh, the meditation part is, is, is a huge, uh, I mean, and it also is a theme that seems to be coming up with this podcast. People keep recurringly uh, saying the, how that helps, brings life to our own soul uh, when you, uh, and I guess that's part of the promise of meditate on it day and night uh, you'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water there is something that wow. happens when we we live there uh, now this one i have to ask because uh, i i know your love for books uh, <laughs> this, uh, uh and so Shh, I, that's my secret oh that's your secret oh. it's well, not very should, well kept secret, yeah you but. shouldn't put that on facebook then i uh, uh, and then what and then we'll we'll go to our our final question that you can ask them to read your books or whatever, <laughs> and you can tell them where that is. Yeah. But hey, yeah, other than your books, uh, <laughs> if uh, and other than the Bible, yeah. Yeah, if uh, if and it can't be mine either because I, oh. I saw this coming. Oh. I saw this coming. Oh. Uh, uh, so okay. if you could, limiting. Uh, <laughs> yes, I'm putting constraints on Thank you. you. Yeah. Uh, if you could recommend uh, someone who. Maybe they want to study the Bible uh, more or meditate mo- more uh, or just in general. Uh, I, the, I've already described the audience. Is there two or three books that come to mind uh, that you would think that would be uh, good for them uh, to read? Mm. Yeah, that's, a, that's a, a good question. I, I think um, – uh, I mean, th- this is a classic text. There's, there's some things I – don't agree within it, but by and large is, is excellent and helpful introduction to how to read scriptures. One of those is by uh, Gordon Fee and Doug Stewart, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. Um, it's, a, it's a great book. It's a good introduction. Um, I, I think there's more, lots more that can be done, but it, it's a good help. Uh, Leland Ryken, R-Y-K-E-N, um, he, he's done an awful lot of work. He's, he was at Wheaton, I believe. Um, uh, reading the Bible is literature, which is a very helpful introduction. Actually, hearing these texts as texts, right? And what does that mean for us? Um, depth without being academic, only <laughs> academic. Um, he's actually got a larger work, and I can't remember what that words of delight or something like that. If someone wants to go deeper, but he's got a much shorter work. It's like 130, 140 pages. Okay. Um, written at a more basic level, uh, so th- those two books are would be quite helpful for just thinking about how to read scripture. But I mean, there's there's a lot of, of different folks out there. Um, I I actually like the work, for instance, of N. T. Wright. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with his his work. He's actually written a commentary on all the books in the New Testament called the New Testament for Everyone series. So it's very accessible. Uh, helpful. It's not going to be overly deep, but it, it's a helpful walkthrough. The Old Testament one, also a brilliant scholar, uh, John Goldengate, um, and he's written a commentary on every one of these. And these are guys that have written massive volumes at high academic levels, but then have written very accessible commentary. That uh, so even in my personal life, I'm. It's it's like I'm saying to a good friend, Hey, you know what? You spent the last decade or two decades with this book of scripture would you help me as i read through the scripture to listen to this it's just that those books are those are those individuals i can't have john golden and nt Wright as much as i'd love to hang out with those guys every day for coffee you know (laughs) it's just to have friends 
and friends can be books, yes. right? So it's the preservation of the, those persons who have also wrestled with what is God saying. And uh, for those listening, we'll put those in the show notes so okay. that they can uh, get links to them uh, as well. Um, and uh, so the final question uh, I always like to ask, uh, or if people want to uh, connect with you on the so- interwebs, or yeah. uh, if uh, you have uh, a book you want to uh, let them know about, or uh, anything else you'd like to, you know, you can ask them to watch a movie. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you'd oh, like. That sounds fun. Uh, <laughs> it's your final ask. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, people can connect with me if they want on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Rick Wadholm Jr. Now, if you do Richard Wadholm, you're going to get my dad. But uh, I think actually my dad and you became friends <laughs> one day because of that <laughs> way back. Uh, yeah. No. Um, and, and then Wadholm.com. It's, it's my, okay. my website and I post books that I've, I've published or contributed to. Um, yeah. My latest work is uh, just came out with Center for Pentecostal Theology. Um, and it's, it's entitled A Theology of the Spirit in the Former Prophets, A Pentecostal Perspective. came out this last November. I've got a couple more books coming out this year, Lord willing. You never know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> projects, projects, more projects. So uh, they can find it on Amazon. They can find it on their website, wadholm.com. And uh, they'll have to look at your notes for the spelling on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, this is a good one for you to go to the net show notes, I guess. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, well, I thank you for taking the, the time today and uh, giving some of your uh, your wisdom to the, to, to the world there. Uh, and I appreciate you and your friendship. Thanks, Kevin. All right. Well, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Dr. Rick Wadholm. Uh, and I appreciate your feedback again on this episode. If you're on you know, Facebook or Twitter at Enjoying Prayer, uh, just you know, reply or uh, leave us a message there. We'll love your thoughts on this as we're trying to grow and be a resource to you and your walk with Jesus. As I mentioned, the show notes, uh, you can find out all that's going on uh, with this episode, the books he mentioned. That's at uh, Enjoying Prayer org and just click on podcast and you'll uh, get that again that's enjoyingprayer.org uh, and click on the podcast uh, one final thing before you head off if you're enjoying these episodes and all that uh, God is having us do for you it's again it's an encouragement to you that's why we do this uh, would you subscribe wherever you're uh, listening to this uh, that helps you uh, you uh, to you know just get it right there in in your uh, inbox essentially uh, or in your uh, player wherever you're listening to it and also it helps us to spread the word about what we're doing here because it's some sort of thing with the algorithm so uh, we appreciate that so just hit subscribe again uh, thanks for spending some time with us today god bless you and keep you and may his face shine upon you and be gracious to you may he turn his face towards you and give you peace may you experience the presence of god today may he be near to you because he is and just may your awareness increase in jesus name god bless and have a great day